Hey, hey, welcome to the Creative Nonfiction Podcast, a show where I speak to badass people about the art and craft of telling true stories. I'm Brendan O'Mara. How's it going? It's that atavistian time of the month, so it's nice to welcome back Sayward Darby, the editor-in-chief of The Atavist, but also Ariel Rampchandani, freelance writer, but both are in partnership with Cadence 13 and are producing No Place Like Home, an original narrative podcast about Dorothy's stolen ruby red slippers. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If Wizard of Oz is your thing, and these kind of things are your thing, then uh, subscribe and do the thing. But first... Support for the Creative Nonfiction Podcast is brought to you by West Virginia Wesleyan College's Low Residency MFA in Creative Writing. Now in its 10th year, this affordable program boasts a low student-to-faculty ratio and a strong sense of community. Recent CNF faculty include Randon Billings Noble, Jeremy Jones, and CNF pod alum Sarah Einstein. There's also fiction and poetry tracks with recent faculty including Ashley Bryant-Phillips and Jacinda Townsend, as well as Diane Gilliam and Savannah Sipple. No matter your discipline, if you're looking to up your craft or learn a new one, consider West Virginia Wesleyan, right in the heart of Appalachia. Visit mfa.wvwc.edu for more information and dates of enrollment. And from now until August, I plan on giving the loudest of shout-outs to Hippocamp 2021. It's back in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Registration is ongoing at the moment. It's a conference for creative nonfiction writers, CNFers like you. Marion Winnick is this year's keynote speaker. There's debut CNF author panels featuring Lily Danziger, Greg Mania, Carol Smith, and Janine Willette. Conference takes place August 13th to 15th. You dig? Use that promo code CNFPOD21 to get $50 off your registration fee. All right? So Ariel Ramchandani at Ariel Ramch on Twitter. That's A R I E L R A M C H. Is a freelance writer whose stories have appeared in The Atavist, The Atlantic, and The Guardian. Sayward, as you know, is the author of Sisters in Hate and is the editor in chief of The Atavist. So we get into why The Atavist decided to do a podcast. So why wait? Here we go. shows about and uh you know what uh what that genesis of the show was or is Ooh, um ariel would you like me to take that question or would you like to take that question mm, why don't you start and i'll i'll come in tag on yeah um so i guess that makes sense because the genesis in some ways was an email that i sent to ariel almost three years ago now um i read a link uh, ariel today reminded me that it was a cnn link um, about the theft of a pair of the ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz. Um, they had been taken in 2005 from the Judy Garland Museum in the small town of Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And uh, the article I was reading about was uh, documenting the return of the slippers. And Ariel and I had been kicking around, me as an editor, Ariel as a freelance writer, had been kicking around ideas about kind of like quirky crime stories, something where, you know, it wasn't all like murder and mayhem, but something a little 
more in like a subculture um, that an atavist story hadn't really tackled lately. And uh, so I sent her the link and that was three years ago. No, um, uh, she got to work really fast. Um, and we originally thought it was just going to be a, a normal out of a story, like a written story. And the entire time we were working on it in those early days, we were like, man, like this would make a great podcast <laughs> because the story mm-hmm. is about this. I mean, certainly the, the theft and the return and, you know, how all of that happened. But it was also about The Wizard of Oz. It was about Judy Garland. It was about the film like memorabilia community. And it was about this small town. And the reason the Judy Garland Museum is in this small town is because it is Judy Garland's hometown. And so there was also this layer of the story that was about her relationship with the place where she was from. So we just kept thinking, man, you know, this would make a great podcast. And lo and behold, um, ultimately, Cadence 13, a great production company, bought it. And Ariel's just been reporting the hell out of it. (laughs) Just been been cranking yeah um originally when Sarah sent me the link I was really excited because I I just love weird crime and sort of like place-based crime I called Grand Rapids I called the wrong Grand Rapids um everyone calls Grand Rapids Michigan um and I think I was on a plane like three weeks later (laughs) to Minnesota kind of poking around the museum um and it just felt so rich and so fun and there were all these sort of worlds along the way that you know even when we were thinking about it as a story we were like how do we break it up into this format where we can really explore all this stuff um but the story has the story has so much sound and so much place um so it felt like it would really always felt like it would make a great podcast and i think the sort of the the way that the mystery is also you know the point at the story uh where we are and where we enter also kind of make it perfect for audio yeah, for sure. And to give you a sense of just how good the audio is, our most recent episode which, uh, is all about Judy Garland. So you get to hear Judy sing, you get to hear her talk and these amazing interviews she did for an autobiography that was never published. And then next week, we will take you to a mine pit where scuba divers are looking for the ruby slippers. So just to give you a sense of like the, the range of amazing audio that's available. <laughs> now, the, the fact that both of you are primarily print and written word journalists and editors. What has been the experience of working with a completely different medium to still tell a story? The interview process has felt really similar to me. Um, And if anything, I think more intimate in some ways. I've really enjoyed interviewing for audio. Just the experience of having a producer there often with me or, or on the line and kind of like really thinking about what we want to ask. It's doing very long interviews usually um, has felt really, and just really long and kind of sometimes emotional interviews um, has felt really exciting and kind of, I've, I've loved it. I also, I do feel that the mic, you know, it's not, it's maybe changes the dynamic a little bit, but it is small and people kind of forget it's there. So it feels a lot like if I was going out and and reporting a story. And then I feel like the story, you know, crafting the episodes, I've never done anything episodic like this. Um, We were talking about it yesterday and we were calling it Tetris. (laughs) It's sort of this like... Ariel's word. And I was like, that's exactly (laughs) what it's like. (laughs) Just sort of like putting everything in its, in its place. And then you find the, you find the right puzzle piece and you're like popping it in and and seeing if it's the right puzzle piece. But I, I just, you know, I always love the best part of stories are like the people you talk to and the, and the worlds you get to be in. And so 
you get to do so much of that. You know, it's like you don't even have to cut the quote down the way sometimes in print you're like, I should put this in my own words if it's like more than a couple lines long. Um, you're kind of living living in their voice, uh, which is I, I have found to be really interesting and, and cool. When you're writing, it's easy to kind of, you know, cut and paste and maybe not massage the quotes, but like clean them up in such a way that it reads better. And with audio, it's a little trickier to make those little cuts and everything. So I wonder what that experience has been like for you when you're working with, you know, the Tetris blocks are just inherently different and a little bit harder to work with when rather than just like pure words. Yeah, well, I would at this point really like to give a shout out to our um, editor, Alistair Sherman, who's out in California, and he's been doing just incredible work with the audio. Um, There's a great team of people involved, but he's like got the special sauce (laughs) Um, because he (laughs) manages to, you know, even when those quotes are, you know, long winded and as we've Ariel and I have both discussed, um, we have a number of characters in Minnesota who speak very slowly and God bless them. Um, <laughs> but sometimes a quote just goes on and on and on. And Alistair's done a really amazing job of, you know, getting all of the best sound bites without making it seem like we're in any way like manipulating things. You know, it's like he is just great at stitching things together. I think in some ways, the fact that you're letting the thing breathe in a way that you might not in writing because you're looking for that, you know, pithy quote or very succinct statement or whatever. Um, in some way, like the pressure is off you as a writer because you are, you know, stitching things together. Um, and so really it's all about the connective tissue. And then, you know, what people say, they say. I, I should also add that we have um, a fact checker um, who uh, is a longtime atavist fact checker, actually, Adam, and he is one of the things he's doing as part of his process is going through those quotes that I just described where, you know, we're making them, you know, a little tighter, a little faster, um, or Alistair is doing that, I should say. And he's fact checking to make sure that like, we're not losing anything in that process, you know, that it doesn't change the meaning of things or, you know, I don't know, the gist of it gets lost or something. Um, So there's just, I think this is the amazing thing about the team behind a podcast. There's so many layers, you know, it's not just, did you get the interviews? You know, did you get the right sound on the mic it's then also you know these different layers of production um that go into every single episode and it also feels like so i when i go to the transcripts i'm going print first that's my inclination right but i know that our team alistair and really everyone everyone else is going ears first they're going to the to the bites first especially as we've kind of selected them so we have kind of two different ways that we're approaching the material and they're just all so smart about when you come at it with your ears first, you know, the, the differences and, and what that's going to, going to really sound like. Um, yeah. And then I feel like the editing has just been amazing at allowing us to kind of keep the spirit of what someone says and what someone says, but have it move in the way that, in the way that we want it to move. Yeah. What becomes the the challenge for you as reporters to not only you know, get the information, but and and gather information, but report it in such a way where you're getting the best possible tape. Where because the the sound of the tape is so important, and having good talkers on tape is so important. So that's an entirely different challenge that from from print. So you know, what has that been like for you guys? So two things. I think I think we've actually been lucky. The story 
has a lot of really great talkers. <laughs> um, it's just, there haven't been, you know, there's a few times where you really want what someone says, but the, what they say, how they say it isn't that good. Right. Um, it, you know, it, it does happen, but we've had some really great storytellers and people who are just so passionate about what they're talking about. Like we're often interviewing people with this story about the most important or exciting thing that they know. And so it gets them really excited and, and we get good tape. We've had just like, I think a really a lot of great interviews, but, but obviously, yeah, I don't have a background interviewing for audio. And so when I'm on those interviews or on those calls and I have our, our great producer directors page or Lloyd with me, they, they sort of always push to make sure that there's a section where you go back in the interview and we make sure we are getting that really cinematic, you know, scene by scene and, and the source is saying it all. Cause that is a different difference from print where normally I would then build around, like you get the great quote and then you understand all the beats of the scene and you're crafting the scene in your own words, right? That's if you're writing a narrative story, like a Oedipus story, that's, that's how it would work. Um, but what's it like for them to have the whole, have control of their own scene, you know, that's really something where I'm still learning how to do that in an interview and definitely get, get a lot of help in that piece of it. So Ariel, you had mentioned that, you know, you're working with, you know, producers as well. So are, are, are they typically either, you know, tape syncing or are they kind of your wingman and, you know, hold, holding the microphone or just kind of in the, in the, in the shadows as it were, like what's that sort of dynamic been like? It's been really neat. Like, like I said, they, you know, I've, I don't think I'd ever, I'd worked with photographers, but I don't think I, I, you know, I'd never gone out. Journalism, especially freelance journalism is like so solitary (laughs) and you're kind of out there with your source and you're in your own whatever dynamic. Um, Whereas this, you have another person with you, right? Who's, who's has their eyes and ears are seeing what you see and hearing what you hear. Um, And yeah, they, they will hold the mic or just like make sure the equipment is set up. Um, and then jump in and, and ask questions at the end or kind of like, we'll talk about how we'd want to, if this, if it's something where we're following someone around, you know, how we want to kind of arrange it. Um, so I feel in some ways, like I don't have to worry, you know, I can sort of just like do the job without worrying or doing too much of, you know, I can't take any credit for any of the like audio production or anything like that, but it's also just like neat because, you know, people think differently or have different ideas, um, and also they know so much about what's going to sound good um, that I feel like that just hearing, you know, the thing about this whole project has been that team aspect and, and people just sort of surprise you with ideas that are really cool that you, you maybe wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And speaking of team aspect, like say we're, you, you know, you're in on the scripting and the narration of this uh, alongside Ariel. So what was the creative decision there to have both of you narrate this, this story? Yeah, that's a good question. And it was not, even though I, you know, sent the link to Ariel originally, I sent it to her because she was, I was interested in her writing the story. And so Ariel did, you know, all of the reporting and I was kind of there as a sounding board in the way that, it, you know, an editor is the way that I am on, on all Atavis stories. But one of the things I think that's been fun about this whole process over the last three years for me and Ariel is that we're both really invested in the story. <laughs> we have lots of thoughts about it. Um, and we've also become friends over over that time. I mean, I don't need to speak for you, Ariel, but I think we've become friends. <laughs> yes, we are friends. It checks out. <laughs> um, I, was, I was just this morning, uh, I went to her house for like six hours um, to work on a script. So 
Um, I think part of the idea was that like our sort of rapport um, was also part of what made this project sing. You know, when, when it came to actually putting the the audio together, all along we'd been like, man, we could just record a podcast that's us sitting with microphones talking about the Ruby slippers, which to be clear, no one would listen to. Um, but it would be like me talking about it as a religious relic and like Judy as the ultimate like American martyr and like saint and, 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 um, and I don't know. I mean, maybe some people would listen to that podcast, but this is like the next best thing for us is getting to, you know, kind of co-present everything. Um, and by everything, I really do mean like Ariel's, um, reporting to, to audiences. Um, and then in terms of, you know, what this means for the atavist, uh, I'd always said that for years now, you know, the atavist will only make a podcast if we really feel like a story is going to be best served in a narrative podcast format. And we really felt like this story fit that. And it's been fun for me to, I, I kind of feel like I'm just, you know, sponging a lot up this entire <laughs> time, like learning so much about the production side of things and, you know, how certain aspects of atavist editing transfer to this medium, you know, and then obviously there are ways that things don't. Um, so I'm learning a lot. But it's also, I think, a nice foray for the atavist into, you know, a different medium, flexing our muscles, saying, you know, we can bring our narrative know-how um, to, you know, different mediums, different audiences. And so that was always an exciting piece of things for me. It was to have, you know, the atavist's name on it um, and sort of our ethos behind it, um, but then to learn from so many other people in the process. Yeah, I love that that narrative know-how that you're bringing to it. And I wanted to, you know, ask you about, you know, that the the challenge of the transition of, you know, what 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 skills there were transferable and what was like, oh, this is this is kind of a speed bump, but we're kind of, you know, using what we know and Cadence is doing what they're doing and, you know, and the marriage of that is what's, you know, bringing bringing this together. So, you know, what were some of those transferable skills that helped you, uh, you know, help, or that is help, helping you episodically stick the landing on these episodes. Yeah, I think that's something that actually Ariel and I've just kind of been getting into a rhythm of uh, over the last two to three weeks, um, which is that, uh, you know, Ariel's done all this amazing reporting. Um, it's organized incredibly well <laughs> in, you know, a Google Drive. And the Cadence 13 team does a great job helping select, again, like uh, Ariel said, kind of ears first bites, like things that, um, so it's so it's not the you know most elegant quote in the world, but wow, does it sound good for some reason, right? And then Ariel kind of puts everything together in in an initial script, and then like that's kind of when I go in and do Tetris work, um, because at that point, I think as an editor, there are a lot of similarities between a podcast like this and an atavist story. Cause you know, an atavist story is not a traditional magazine feature. Um, we're very plot driven. We have a beginning, a middle and end. We're always thinking about arcs. We don't necessarily, I mean, I very rarely do, <laughs> do you need a nut graph. Um, and so this is a, there, there are a lot of similarities um, in moving these pieces around in, in the podcast. So that's kind of where I've found that I can be the most helpful is you know, certainly Ariel and I were talking lots while she was doing her her reporting. And, you know, at a certain point, we were also like, who do you think stole the slippers? <laughs> um, which we've been talking about for the last uh, couple of years as well. Um, and there was all that fun stuff to to discuss. But then from a, a purely practical standpoint, um, I felt like, 
you know, really looking at those raw scripts and thinking about, okay, how could this flow? And, you know, where might I be helpful suggesting different beats and transitions and things like that? Um, that's where I, I like to think, you know, the value add from an atavist perspective is. And Ariel, like, given that, you know, Atavis is about that, that arc and narrative and now doing episodic podcasts, like each podcast, each episode has its own arc. And then that's going to feed into the arc of the entire series. So what's been the challenge in terms of pacing and storytelling on the episode by episode basis, and then hopefully having it all tie together as a series? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I mean, I think one thing is like, we have so much material, right? So every script is starting with me reading like, so many hours of, you know, I they do all the transcription, it's like, all beautifully done. Um, and so like, I don't have to sit there and, and do that. But once I have all those tapes to the transcripts to read through, it's so much material. And you're kind of figuring out what is going where. Um, I think it's gotten easier. It's like as the blocks, it's almost like once the foundation is set, like once the pieces stop moving, it becomes easier. But when everything's still moving, I it's it's really challenging. Um, and there are a few moments where like, wait, did we like hit that enough earlier on to be able to be doing this further on? Because you want it to layer, um, which I think is, you know, you see that in a print story, especially something like an atavist story where it is going to be long and it is going to have these sort of like waves or themes coming through. But I think you're right. It's like, how do we kind of go into whatever is going to be happening in that episode, that arc and that world? And that's, you know, that those sort of transformations that are going to happen while having it being layering on top of what happened before and setting up for what happens next. And it's just a, it's a really different way of thinking. Um, I'm, I'm finding it really enjoyable, but there are moments where you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> what did you do with that again? Let me go back. I'm like always, when I'm working on one script, I have all, I have like all the interviews open and then like all the scripts we've we've ever worked on and everything I've ever written I've been like often to just sort of like just have a sense of of what what needs to happen and I, th I think another thing that is different is like the pace right you know how much time you're going to spend in a moment um and some things you're just going to go through and some things are really like you're going to hang out there and that a lot gets determined by like Sayward's amazing editing and then the you know Alistair's like the the actual audio editing and just everyone's notes our team's really good about notes about telling me like you know what what to get rid of but you know those ideas of like where you're going to linger in a scene versus go through um and and thinking about that on like an episodic level I think is, is a little bit different and and kind of interesting yeah and that's it's funny you say that because I I often talk with writers um, when we're working on atavist print stories about exactly that, you know, when do you linger in a scene? Like, when do you let something breathe? When do you, you know, have, when do you have a cliffhanger? When do you have a jump cut? And those things absolutely apply in, in this instance, just the reasons that they apply might be different because again, it might be dictated by sound or it might be dictated by like, you know, access to a person's voice or something along those lines, um, as opposed to purely, you know, where are we in the story? And I, I mean, some of my favorite parts of the podcast are these like weird asides. <laughs> um, and it's so nice to have the room, especially because it's, you know, an eight episode series to have the room to go into those weird asides, not just because they're weird or quirky or whatever, but because something about them, you know, is reflected back in, in the main narrative. And, you know, 
out of his stories for the most part allow that too um but it's not quite the same you know as quite literally hearing somebody off in that corner <laughs> you know saying something or introducing you to something interesting so yeah that's the end of that particular quote. I'll say one more difference <laughs> I know but it just recurred to me this idea also of doing these interviews and then things really come out in the interviews I think that are different a little different for me than in print like no print you'll see something and be like I know that I'm going to use that scene but here you're listening and you're like I know I'm going to use that person telling that amazing story or like saying that weird thing that made me feel something um, the way they said it and then it's like how do you leave room in the scripts for those moments sort of like what you were saying the asides are the best part you know how do you but how are the asides also building in your plot um I think is is something that like we kind of work with or are we, trying to work with. We definitely had to leave a couple of like, you know, fun asides on the cutting room floor. Um, actually this last episode that uh, came out today. So episode three, terribly happy. There was so much good material, not just about Judy Garland, but about the origins of, or I should say the, the white origins of the town where she's from and, you know, how it came to be and uh, you know, how her family came to be there, et cetera, et cetera. And when we did, when we did the initial cut of the episode, it was like twice as long as it needed to be, and not because there was anything uninteresting, <laughs> just because there was too much interesting stuff. Um, and you know, so there there are certainly those moments where you have to prioritize. Um, but for the most part, you know, there's nothing that's been left out so far that. I mean, I've, I've certainly had this less as an editor, more as a writer, where it's like, oh man, I really wanted to keep that in, but I just couldn't because the word count didn't allow it, or you know the space I had on the page didn't allow for it or whatever. And, you know, it's been nice to to shape this podcast such that you're able to keep the vast majority of the stuff you love in. And to your to your question, Brendan, you know, about the arcs of the episodes and then how do they tie in to the arc of the the wider narrative? You know, some of my favorite podcast episodes, not just not, not in this podcast, but in podcasts generally are the ones where it's like, where is this going exactly? But I'm so intrigued because like it's it, the starting point wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Um, and then, you know, it, it backs into something and you realize the way that everything connects. And and that, that goes for true crime to a certain degree. But then, you know, there are obviously plenty of other great narrative examples. Um, I mean, certainly S-Town had had really interesting episodes like that. And so it's been fun to play around with the different possibilities of like what an arc means in an episode um you know is is an arc about a character is an arc about um you know a particular subculture is an arc about an actual incident or event and then you know how does that all tie back into the central question of who took the slippers why and you know how did they you know mysteriously return after 13 years and it's it's all that layering that that Ariel was describing and definitely being deliberate about like not just okay we're going to include everything we like and you know this great soundbite but also you know making sure that there's that connective tissue um it's kind of like building i, I don't know if i were like frankenstein or something right and you're like <laughs> building a person and you're like you need that scaffolding like the the structure at the heart right the skeleton but then you do have a lot of space to play around with with everything that goes on top of that it's like also if if you're like me and you hate writing nut graphs, it's like you just have to write nut graphs over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you don't even necessarily actually wind up in the script. That's what's also interesting about this. Like I feel like there's a lot of voiceover stuff that um Ariel and I will write. Um Ariel especially will write. And it's kind of like you almost need to get it out on the page just because it's like, okay, now I have it in my mind what this particular act in this episode is about or what this whole episode is about. And then almost, I feel like inevitably that stuff 
winds up shorter than it, it ever you know started out like it it usually winds up a sentence or two at most but sometimes just almost clearing your throat clearing your head of it can really help as you're like shaping everything that comes after yeah it's a little like what are we doing here what's like the transformation that's going to occur in this act or this episode um i feel like is really important to to always know and we don't always know i don't always know sometimes and yeah until i write sort of a lot of like the throat clearing pieces mm-hmm. of it. I, I as I've listened to the early episodes, I, I was getting uh some winds of change vibes, yeah. you know, this kind yeah. of and uh you know, and you brought up S Town too and we you know, in print sometimes we talk about modeling, you know, stories, you know, let's just take a shape and kind of model it, reflect yours in the in the mirror of another piece. And I wonder what you were you know, what models you might have had in mind as you were, you know, sort of storyboarding out this series. Well, it's yeah. funny you mentioned Wind of Change because I did. I remember last year listening to it and like calling or emailing Sayward and being like, I think we could make this story into a podcast. Because something about the idea of like the culture as a jumping off point um, was just so exciting. And the way that they did that was so successful, I thought, that it felt like it opened a door for not just the story of the stolen Ruby Slippers, but what we really wanted this podcast to be, which was sort of this larger examination of america and of culture and of judy and of small town you know kind of letting it take take us to all these places and it felt like they had done that so well that it was a real um it was a real inspiration yeah for sure those scripts were available online they were great reference points um you know i think there there are lots of ways in which you know, this series is not like that series. I mean, that series also had a central question of, you know, is this thing true? Is it not? And, and everything, but, you know, we also have sort of these true crime elements uh, that go into it. So podcasts that I was really inspired by, I mean, that sounds certainly um, not that that's true crime because that's its own genre of sorts, that podcast. Um, But Bear Brook was a big, big podcast for me. I actually listened to that when Ariel was initially working on, the like we didn't we weren't even sure what this was going to be yet so roughly like two and a half years ago or whatever it is i i listened to bearbrook and i seem to remember i contacted you same sort of thing ariel where i was like man you know what let's mm-hmm. about this story even even when we thought at the time you were just going to be writing it it was like let's think about this in in an episodic way that a podcast producer might so you know thinking about sections almost thematically as having their own like little mini arcs and things like that and uh and bearbrook as a as a true crime podcast was really one of the like the light bulbs um for me in thinking about this this particular project differently and then i'm trying to think of last scene i think last last scene was was a really fun one to think about Right, right. In terms of talking about heists, (laughs) Um, that was like the most insane heist ever. Whereas, like our heist basically involved (laughs) coming in through an unlocked door. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, no. Last scene's another good example. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. The Dolly Parton one. Dolly Parton's America. Mm Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that's more in the like you know not sort of the structural because I agree Bearbrook I remember you sent me and just like the way that that moved episodically was so so great um mm-hmm. that that was a big a big inspiration yeah and then Dolly Parton's America and it's sort of way that they were using a, a cultural figure um to to get at so many different things and it was just 
also yeah just like the ways both that and wind of change where they're using a lot of sound right um and sound is at the heart of the story in what ways has reporting and producing this audio story translated and maybe made you a better you know reporters and editors for you know ultimately what will be kind of like you're going home which is essentially print and the written words like how how has this helped that do you think i don't feel like i've had another story where like i have this i was this morning sayward was at my house and she was like apologizing (laughs) because it took a long time but she shouldn't have been because it's like you never get to sit next to your editor right and just like watch them kind of like in real time, like a really smart editor mind, like go through a piece of your writing. And I feel like that's just been like invaluable in terms of, you know, just cranking on like structure and, and where things go and how you get from one place to another. Um, I feel like that's been really, really an interesting thing that I think I'll take back to writing, but it's funny. I'm, so I'm working on like a feature now and I had this moment where in my head, I was like, oh, the editor of this feature has probably listened to the interview I did with this source. <laughs> like I did like a really intense interview. And I, it was almost like I, I thought it was something where I was sharing with her because here I'm so used to like, you know, that we all kind of like have the experience of the audio. And then, of course, that's not true. It's like my job in that case is like to translate that interview that she's never going to listen to in, yeah. into a story. Um, and it's it's different, but it's like, you know, kind of trying to take that home a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I've actually not listened to any of your raw interviews. Um, And I've done that in part because I feel like we already have so many people on the team, the director, the producers, um, the audio editor. Um, You know, we we already have so many people doing that. And I wanted to make sure that I was essentially like a fresh eyes person in things. So again, like once there's actually like a coherent sense of what an episode is, Um, I didn't want to bring any of my bias from like listening to hours and hours and hours of tape. I wanted to look at it as this like single thing. Right. And uh, I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's a bad strategy, but but I think it's it's worked for us. And, you know, one of the things I think one of my weaknesses as an editor, I even said this to Ariel this morning. We had such a day, Ariel. Um, (laughs) We did. did, did. (laughs) um, uh, I think one of my weaknesses as an editor is that I sometimes well, and it's actually my weakness as a writer, too. Um, I'm not good at like forging ahead. You know, I'll I'll kind of look at something and I'll stare at it and I'll fiddle with it and I'll go for another paragraph and I'll be like, nope, gonna go back. <laughs> I'm gonna fiddle again. Um, and I think that in some ways, um, working on this has been good, almost like retraining of my brain because first of all, there's not as much to fiddle with, right? So again, you're thinking about these puzzle pieces or Tetris pieces. Um, and where to put them, but it's not like, you know, there is actually that much language that you can adjust. And then also just being reminded, like, you know, we just got, we we kind of have to keep forging ahead. Like we have an episode a week that we need to, (laughs) we need to get done. And so, you know, sort of just like pushing me to um, not be quite so much of a perfectionist about the little things. And I think the other piece of that is, you know, this, this matters not how it's written, but how it sounds, you know? So thinking more conversationally and, you know, in some ways you have to do an edit on the page to make sure that, you know, it's the link that needs to be and, and whatnot. It's been re- reminding myself to, you have to keep going because at a certain point you need to record it and see how it sounds. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, it may be something that a sentence that you worked on unnecessarily for an hour, once you actually read it and have it placed between, you know, quotes by sources, maybe it doesn't actually sound very good. Maybe it needs to be said in an entirely different way. And so, um, it's something definitely as we've been working, I just periodically have to be like, all right, say would stop. Like, don't, <laughs> this is not a traditional out of a story. Do not worry about, you know, is that precisely the right word there? Like, just keep going, keep going because, you know, the sound is, is just as important as, you know, the way the way it reads to you, if, if not more important. Yeah. And this strikes me as one of the more, you know, collaborative things you can do. You've talked about a lot of the different audio people and the other producers and, of course, the two of you together. Um, if you were to uh, overlay the metaphor, let's say, of a kitchen with all those moving parts and all those roles, sous chefs, executive chefs, dishwasher, you name it. How would you equate, you know, the, the kitchen to the uh, the idea of the cooks in this, this audio kitchen you've created? Oh, my gosh. This makes me... Mm realize that even though I've watched every single season of Top Chef, um, I like do what not... everyone does. Yeah, I'm like, that person is this. And then, but, mm, I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, on the one hand, I want to say that, like, Ariel's the chef, because it's, it's like, her ideas, her, you know, show in so many ways. But then at the same time, like, to me, sous chefs are like the ones who do I'm like prepping or, and like organizing I don't know right. and like yeah, I'm not putting like, the gloss I'm not throwing that last like bit of parsley on the top I'm the parsley thrower I think <laughs> um maybe or maybe I'm like the so wiping the sauce yes, off yes. the end of the plate yes, I'm like the you know? I'm like the I'm like the parsley thrower and I'm the saucier and like the person who wipes the plates um, but then Ariel, I don't know. She's kind of like combination chef and sous chef, I think. Um, and then, oh my God, these other people, they are, yeah. um, well, is yeah. somebody like the heat? Is somebody like the fire? The oh kitchen? my God. That is genius. <laughs> Who is the fire? Yes. I mean, that's, that's tough. I think the fire might be Alistair. I think so too, actor. because he's he like making our dishes. Right, exactly. It's like we are giving you the ingredients and the ideas, but we actually need you to make. We need, we need you to cook it for us. Yes. Oh my god! And then, I mean, Lloyd is Lloyd's the director. He's like kind of the chef too, but then or like the also... guy who's shouting. Who's the guy? What's the name of the person who's like need a da 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 table? The expediter. Nine. The expediter. Um, that's a word I actually know from Top Chef. Of course, I probably just got it wrong. <laughs> But this is the most fun I've had all day, guys, um, thinking about this. Um, he's kind of like the expediter. And then, yeah, I don't well, know. I guess. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I know. I was just thinking of also the people who like stand over the pot and they're like tasting it. Like, I feel like in some ways that's also mm -hmm. the, that's like Val, right? Like, it's right. like the people who are kind of like editing and and really helping refine. I don't know if that's just like other sh chef. The people yeah, with the spoons, the tasting spoons, whoever they right. are. Right, right, totally. Yeah, I mean the sad the sad truth is that we don't have a ratatouille in this scenario. Um no, no I mean we both have pets um and they've been mostly just like noisy support in the background of recordings, but we do not have like a little rat hiding under anybody's cap. Um <laughs> yeah. Maybe like my children are the ratatouilles. In maybe story. maybe I was just saying that Isla and Jordy are like the the mascots of this of this uh show. So maybe maybe they're the the ratatouille's here but there's something about the sushi like i will say i feel like writing is like always kind of where you kind of feel like you're just like 
building the house, you know, and there's like, there's something to this that really feels like that. Like in terms of like, I actually do feel like I'm chopping vegetables, you know, I'm like going through interviews, like looking for the good stuff, arranging the good stuff, like trying to figure out what it's about. Like, there's like something that feels very like, like my sleeves are up and I've got like a knife out, um, Mm -hmm. which is like maybe like the sous chef part of part of it oh man okay the top chef finale of the latest season is this week and i'm gonna pay such close i know what what are all the jobs i know (laughs) (laughs) i'll have a better answer for you next week brendan Fantastic. Well, I I love it. That that was a, a fun little uh, fun little aside that we got to go down and <laughs> label all the all the uh, all the chefs in the kitchen and uh, with all the various jobs and everything. Maybe the fact checker is the garbage boy. Just oh, like, gosh. all right, let's. No, he's so unglamorous oh, yeah, he, work, but so important. He's like he's the the like dishwasher. And he's also like the vegetable chopper and like, you know, basically the person who's like, this kitchen would be a disaster if you were not here. <laughs> yeah. Getting the mise en place mm-hmm. down correctly. Mm-hmm. But Sarah, you're, you're also like all ready to go. restaurant. Like, I feel like you're also like higher, like that's what you're bringing from the Adams is also this like higher level. About like, oh, what, I'm, the front, the, I'm the front of house person. What's I'm like, the restaurant uh, doing? Like, and is mm-hmm. everything that we're putting out like... Mm-hmm. Front of house. That's, yep, I'm front of house. Oh, man. What's going out? (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, fantastic. Well, let's, uh, so where can, where, where can people, you know, find the podcast if they, if they're not already familiar with it? Yeah. Um, so it is called No Place Like Home and it is available on pretty much any platform where you like to listen to your podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, um, and it is also featured on the Atavis Magazine's website, so magazine.atavis.com. Um, we have a landing page there with some really nice original art, and um, Ariel wrote a, a really lovely prologue, uh, sort of introducing people to to the series and what it's about, um, and the episodes are also available there. Nice. And Sayward is at Sayward Darby on Twitter. Is that right? Uh, at Sayward Darby. That is right. Perfect. And Ariel, how about you? Uh, what are your social I'm handles? At if you Ariel Ramsh. <laughs> Fantastic. How do you spell R-A-M-C-H. Fantastic. Well, guys, this was uh, this was awesome to get to talk to you and unpack this uh, unpack this wonderful production that you've got going on. I can't wait for the to listen to the the rest of the series and see what you guys cook up. So, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, and uh, we'll you know and best best of luck going forward with the rest of it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. much. Well, thanks to Sayward and Ariel. Be sure to check out their podcast, No Place Like Home. Serious wind of change vibes, man, in my opinion. Thanks to listening, CNFers. Thanks to listening. Thanks for listening. Jesus. Thanks for the support. And thanks to WVWC, MFA, and Creative Writing, as well as Hippocamp 2021 for the support. And thanks for being along for this ride. So stay cool. Stay cool forever. Stay cool forever.